0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, November 19th, and this is your FT News Briefing. There's more monetary madness in Turkey, but some foreign investors are still sinking money into the country. Carmakers Ford and GM are forging friendships with chip makers. Plus, we haven't talked about currencies for a while. And there's a good reason for that.
1: Currency markets for major currencies have been incredibly boring for a really long time
0: but now there's drama starring the euro the ft's katie martin will tell us what's going on i'm mark filipino and here's the news you need to start your day The global semiconductor shortage is forcing companies to find new ways to obtain chips. Some big companies like Apple and Huawei have decided to make their own. And yesterday, two big U.S. car makers said they are pursuing stronger ties with chip makers. Ford said it had signed a non-binding agreement with Global Foundries. That's a New York chip maker owned by Abu Dhabi's sovereign wealth fund. GM said it's looking at a partnership with chip makers like TSMC and Qualcomm. Something unusual is happening in currency markets. This week, the euro fell to its lowest level against the U.S. dollar in 16 months. To understand why this is a big deal, I have the FT's markets editor, Katie Martin, on the line. Hey, Katie.
1: Hey, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Um, So what's the story this week with the euro?
1: Um... The short version is, it's going down. Do you want the long version?
0: Yeah, hit me with the long version, Katie. Why not?
1: (laughs) Otherwise, this would be a really quick briefing. So, um, currency markets for, for major currencies have been incredibly boring for a really long time. So... One of the main things that currency markets care about is, is interest rates and all the major interest rates have just been like nailed to the floor. So what the market has got a bit of a sniff of now is that the European Central Bank is going to be way behind the others in eventually lifting interest rates or tightening policy by curtailing quantitative easing or anything like that. So we've already seen that the Fed is on this clear trajectory towards cutting back its monthly bond purchases it's starting to look like the Bank of England is at the very least having this conversation whereas the ECB is just saying nah not going to happen and so that is the recipe that you need to push the euro lower and that's exactly what's happened.
0: Right. And, you know, when it comes to the ECB doing something with the intent to benefit markets, forget about it. You know, we've said that Christine Lagarde, the president of the ECB, doesn't do things with the markets in mind, does things with the block in mind. So why do we care if the Euro is sinking?
1: Well, just to go back to what you what you were saying, Christine Lagarde does care very deeply about stresses and strains in the Eurozone government bond markets, but she can certainly live with a falling euro, probably. And again, you know, this is Lagarde's message working. You know, she told the European Parliament at the start of this week that tightening policy would actually do more harm than good. So what will Christine Lagarde think about this? I mean, yes, a falling euro will help exporters. But another senior figure at the European Central Bank, Isabel Schnabel, was also noting this week that If you see the euro sliding like this, then that could push up inflation by as much as 0.3 percentage points. That doesn't sound like a huge amount, but the ECB is very sensitive to inflation, and that's actually quite a large increment. So if we do start to see the point where the floor falls out of the euro exchange rate, which I'm not really expecting, but never say never, you know, but if this accelerates quickly and we do see this really pumping up inflation levels, then the ECB could potentially have a bit of a sense of humor failure about it. Yeah,
0: you know, one of these days, Katie, we're going to have a conversation that doesn't include inflation.
1: That's never going to happen. No. Never
0: going to happen. Okay. Well, <laughs> then in that case, let me ask you a follow-up question. How significant are these drops? Are there any comparisons to previous eras, previous times economies where you know recovering from a crisis or a shock
1: yeah so you know if you cast your mind back to the time before we had the the pandemic and all central banks just chopped up their interest rates and, you know, through a mincing machine and everyone was caught on the same level. These sorts of moves would have been fairly standard. You know, it was pretty normal for currencies to move around, believe it or not. So this isn't like an extreme currency crisis, you know, cough, cough, turkey. Um,
0: (laughs) We'll get to that in a second. We'll get to
1: that. Um, This is more kind of a return to the good old days where currencies provided some volatility and people weren't bored out of their mind on kind of currency trading flaws.
0: Speaking of Turkey, we are go- we are going to go to Turkey in a bit when we talk to Laura Patel in our next segment. Just give us the quick and dirty. What's going on there?
1: <sighs> Turkey's going to Turkey. So yeah. it cut interest rates by another full percentage point to 15%. That's the third cut in a row from the uh, central bank there, which is under enormous pressure from President Erdogan to keep interest rates as low as possible. You've got inflation running there at something like 20%. So the the currency fell 4% in response to this interest rate cut, which the central bank has indicated will be followed up again before too long. So the Turkish lira is now trading at about 11 to the dollar. It's never been in this kind of territory before. Um, You know, international analysts and investors are just exasperated and there appears to be no end in sight here.
0: Yeah, if you're keeping score at home, the lira has plummeted more than 30% this year. Katie Martin is the FT's markets editor. Pleasure as always, Katie.
1: Pleasure is mine. Thank you for having me.
0: So Turkey has scared off a lot of investors, but not everyone. This week, the Spanish bank BBVA announced plans to spend more than 2 billion euros to buy the remaining 50% of the Turkish lender guarantee. Our correspondent in Ankara, Laura Patel, has details.
2: Now, some people were pretty surprised by this, seeing as the economic backdrop is not exactly easy. But um, I think the main motivation of the bank was that it already owns half of guarantee. And the price of buying the other half of the bank is incredibly cheap due to the depreciation of the Turkish lira. And they see it as a good deal.
0: So Laura, who else is putting money into Turkey because they see long term value or, you know, they're looking for a bargain?
2: Well, it's really interesting because I've been keeping my ear to the ground to see if investors are going to come in to, to snap up these like hugely undervalued assets here. And an interesting picture emerges. What I hear from analysts and diplomats and people who work in mergers and acquisitions is that new entrants to the Turkish market are incredibly hesitant. They look at the political backdrop, which is pretty turbulent. President Erdogan has been accused of consolidating his own powers, eroding the rule of law, meddling in the central bank and they think no thank you they decide that they want to stay away by and large on the other hand companies who already have a presence in turkey sometimes like a decades-long presence sometimes feel bolder about the idea of expanding here i think they feel that they are used to the ups and downs they think that there's good profits to be made here turkey's a, a big country with a young population and a strategic location with access to markets in the middle east and europe and Asia. And if you have a high risk appetite, there can be opportunities here. One interesting exception is the tech sector, which has actually been enjoying a real boom recently. And thanks to that investment, we're actually expecting to see a slight increase in Turkey's foreign direct investment figures this year, after about five years of declines.
0: Still, though, you know, you've reported many big name companies have left Turkey. Is there anything that could bring them back?
2: Honestly, I think that the main thing that would reverse the trend is if President Erdogan loses the next set of elections, which are scheduled for 2023. The opposition in Turkey is incredibly bullish about their prospects of forcing him from power at the ballot box. And that's an idea that has started to catch the interest of investors. I think most of those that I speak to still think that it would be an enormous gamble to bet that that's going to happen. Erdogan's a formidable politician, he has a lot of tools at his disposal, and it's by no means guaranteed that he will lose and that he will leave power. But if you have a high risk appetite and fancy a gamble, then you know, there's an opportunity there. I think that if and when there's a change of government, a lot of money will flow into Turkey.
0: Laura Patel is our correspondent in Ankara. And before we go, we want to say thank you. Your votes helped us win a really big award. This week, we were awarded a People's lovey. The Lovies are the European version of the Webbies. They honor the best of the European internet. And not only that, we also won a Gold lovey, which is selected by a panel of judges. It's a huge honor, and we want to thank you for voting us, and most of all, for listening in every day. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. I'll be taking next week off, but you'll be in the excellent hands of our fill-in host, Joanna Gau. See you in a bit. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filippino. Our editor is Jess Smith. We had help this week from Peter Barber, Gavin Coleman, and Michael Bruning. Our global head of audio is Cheryl Brumley. And our theme song is by Metaphor Music.